Welcome to the Project Fitness Podcast for fitness professionals and fitness enthusiasts who want to be better at life. Fitness is the greatest investment of anyone's life. However, it's not easily obtained, and anyone who says different is just plain wrong. Join award-winning personal trainer and strength conditioning coach Chris Fudge every Monday as he explores all aspects of fitness that can lead you to your Welcome optimal health. Welcome to another health. episode of the Project Fitness Podcast. Today's episode, we are sitting down with Mark Nelson, and Mark is a lead scientific researcher at the Fellow One Research. Mark is going to talk to us today about different body types and how health and muscle mass affect them. And I'm super interested in this topic here because being a personal trainer and strength coach for uh, pushing 20 years now, I've heard a lot of different things about body types and people say, well, I can't do this because my genetics are here, or I can't do that because of these things. And Mark's going to talk to us about the body type science. So Mark, welcome to the Project Fitness Podcast. Thank you for having me on. So starting off with different body types, like let's get a little bit into your background. Like I know that you're lead scientific researcher, but do you just study body types and then fat loss and how it includes that? Like, like, like what's your background regarding those issues? You know, it really started when I was around eight years old. Um, I was actually a star soccer player on a state championship team and I was only eight. So not trying to brag, just what I noticed it was uh, during shirts off soccer uh, practice and when I was down at the local pool, that my body was very different than my peers. Um, and because I was so young, I would go down and see uh, my doctor for my regular checkup. <clears throat> and because I was within my safe BMI weight range, everything was normal and no one really thought much of it. As I grew, more fat grew. And as I hit, Puberty, even more fat grew, and none of the muscle grew that the doctors, my parents, and everyone promised would grow as soon as I got older. Literally, just more fat grew. And I was a very active kid, so I was always well within my safe BMI weight range. So there was really no explanation at the time for why I had all this fat all over my body, even though I was well within my safe BMI weight range. And again, when I would look around at my peers, many of my peers looked identical to the standard scientific human body anatomy book by type one that you find in any scientifically approved human body anatomy book with all of the muscles and muscle mass fully developed. So I, I, I was certain then that that body type was real. I was also certain that I did not have that body type. Uh, and again, when I would go and see my doctor for my, for my regular checkup, because I was well within my safe BMI weight range, no one thought much of it. And no one really had any explanation for why I was lacking muscle and muscle mass. But again, because I was within my safe BMI, it didn't really matter. Uh, so I was very frustrated uh, because no one was listening. Uh, and so that's how I really came to the awareness that something was different. Um, and then as I grew into college and such, that's when I became more interested in all the different body types and began looking at things and the research really started. So I'll sort of pause here and see if I'm making sense. Yeah, so let me see if I understand correctly. You're a young fella, you're before the age of 10, it shirts off, tarps off soccer, and you look around and you look a little different than some of the other kids. And as you age, you look a little different, you were softer. But because your body weight to height ratio, so body mass index, said that you were in a healthy, safe zone, 
no one thought anything different, but you were actually accumulating body fat rather than muscle mass as you were transitioning through puberty, correct? That's correct. Yeah. So not, not a normal thing that we, we tend to see, you know, because BMI tends to be the, the leading or the gold standard in if you're healthy versus unhealthy, correct? That's right. Now we have our scientific biotype quiz up on our site and we've now had hundreds of people take it, which in all things relative is a small sample size, but of the sample size that we have so far, we have a lot of people who say the same thing, but they were never a biotype one. And especially if they're a biotype two, three, or four, uh, they were never a biotype one and they have dealt with cellulite or some form of skinny fat. So skinny fat is a, is a, is a newer term in terms of science in the, the medical field, but there are types of skinny fat. So it's cellulite, thin fat, loose skin, saggy skin, crepey skin, and normal weight obesity are all types of skinny creepy, creepy skin. Right. So basically that's, Typically for older folks who have, uh, you know, as uh, it, it's not really cellulite, it's not really thin fat. It's, it's sort of this, uh, I don't know, this rough sort of, uh, uh, it's basically just rough skin that uh, it, it's called <laughs> creepy skin. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so calling my dad out on that. <laughs> uh, put your shirt on, your creepy skin's sticking out. <laughs> <laughs> so... But yeah, for the listeners, for the listeners here, because they they're not getting any visuals here, and I saw on your website got these awesome visuals here, and you're using celebrity types. Yeah, a a simple example of like what a type one, type two, type three looks like. Yeah, so a a type one would be somebody like Christian Ronaldo or Mm -hmm. Dwayne Johnson. Mm -hmm. Um, That would be you know just a standard. By type one, that if you see in your mind's eye, it's that image in the standard scientific book with all the muscles and muscle mass fully de- developed. This is like they are, they're all muscle and you can see that defined muscle. A by type two is, uh, they just don't have the same definition of muscle. So any of the Kardashians, um, what we have labeled the Kardashian Jenner gene or the Jenner Kardashian gene, which has a tendency to affect the sacrum vertebra, no less, uh, and possibly a few lower lower lumbar, uh, but they just are lacking muscle and muscle mass in that area of their body, and it's obvious. Uh, a biotype three would be somebody like uh, Lena Dunham. That may not be the most um, popular example. Um, I just did Queen Latifah, um, Jonah Hill. Um, but they are obviously lacking muscle and muscle mass on more parts of their body. And they have stronger tendencies towards being overweight or obese. Uh, and then a biotype four is somebody like Lizzo or um, let's see here. DJ Khalid is another one, but that's probably not going to be very, very helpful for a lot of folks. Biotype fours are a lot less common, uh, but Lizzo is really a good uh, example for that um so yeah yeah so i would say okay so your type one is is your athletic male i would say an athletic looking male with muscle mass and as a female, That's right. an athletic female type two is a little bit of accumulation around the low back area you tend to see a little bit of love handles and fat around these you said the sacrum correct 
which it, it, but it could be anywhere on the body. So we have plenty of body type twos up on the site and some of them have issues with their cervical where they put on uh, fat relative to their, to their uh, neck and face. Others have the upper back. So, you know, from the thoracic one through the thoracic 12. And so it's, it's really dependent on one's genetics. Um, but yeah, in the examples that I gave, you are right. It has a tendency to be more of the sacrum. Okay. So then what causes these different body types to, to happen type one to type four? Like what causes the rock body? I think everyone wants to know that you can only eat hundred eggs a day max, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <right on. laughs> so he's actually a really good example of somebody who uh, is not overweight or obese, but he, if you were to run his BMI, he would likely fall in the overweight or obese mm. column of his BMI, which and is one way that the BMI is not accurate. Face to face, I would never call the rock obese. I don't think that is. <laughs> I certainly would not either. <laughs> but uh, so the body types really boil down to ge- genetics, and that's um, and that and and we know that simply because again we have so many body types now uh, quizzes where the individual they have never been a body type one. And so what we get, especially from a lot of fitness pros, a lot of fitness pros is, um, well, you must have been sedentary. So you, so being sedentary meant that your body lost muscle and muscle mass over time. But here's the, here's the, the thing about that. You can go up online and, and look for scientific research studies about weight loss and the body burning muscle and muscle mass. And there are no scientific studies that talk about the human body losing default muscle and muscle mass during weight loss, unless you have starved the body, unless you've given the body no other option, but to burn muscle and muscle mass because it has no other option. It it, it has no more fat on the body to actually burn and it's not getting the calories daily to burn. But it's a fact that the human body will burn fat on the body first along with calories consumed first before it ever burns muscle and muscle mass because muscle and muscle mass is a valuable resource. Mm. So again, a lot of people telling me, so uh, we had a scientific weight loss uh, uh, participant up on the site. She took the body type quiz and then she used the weight loss diary. She was 23. She did a great job of losing weight. She lost 19 pounds. She was right at the edge of her safe BMI. She lost weight down to the mid range of her BMI and her initial quiz results showed that she was a body type three. And we, and we broke down all of the vertebrae that we thought that she was lacking muscle and muscle mass because it was obvious skinny fat. And our theory was once she loses that weight, she will still be a body type three. She will still have skinny fat in all the places that we had said in her initial quiz. And when she lost that weight, we were right. She, she had anticipated because her doctor told her so, and everyone told her just lose the, the, the weight and get back down within your safe BMI and you'll be a body type one. Cause that's how it works. Cause that's how any doctor I have ever talked to or gone and saw in terms of my own health, that's what they have told me is you, the, the only reason that you don't look like a biotype one is because you have too much fat on your body, lose that excess fat weight and get back down within your safe BMI and you are a biotype one. So when she lost that weight 
and she looked at her body and, and we asked her to re-evaluate whether our theory was right or whether the mainstream doctors were right. She agreed that she was still a body type three, even though she was well within her safe BMI. But her explanation to why was she must have lost muscle and muscle mass when she was losing weight. Mm-hmm. But the again, the problem with that is that there's no scientific evidence that shows if you safely lose weight, and she did, we have the evidence. She did not starve her body. Right? She, she, uh, she did everything in terms of what the, the, and it's really now outdated science. She did a calorie deficit, but she was still eating healthy food and making sure that she, that she was getting all of her protein and nutrients daily, yada, yada. Uh, and, and so what I am getting at is, is that she, like so many other people, when they lose that weight, their, their initial thought is, I must have lost that muscle and muscle mass from the weight loss. But there's no evidence that that's true if you safely lose weight. Yeah, what you're talking about is if someone goes to extreme, it's a gluconeogenesis, right? Where the body starts breaking down muscle tissue. But that right. is, that's an extremes, right? We're that talking. is an extreme. That is starving your body. Yeah, it doesn't happen if you just stop eating or you go to you go to you know 500 calories a day. But you're saying she lost weight or these people lose weight. They get into the safe BMI level, but yet they still don't have the type one. That's correct. Is that and, because they just don't have any enough muscle mass on them? Right. So basically, ge- genetically, they simply didn't have that muscle from day one. Mm-hmm. And so they are someone like me who in place of that muscle and muscle mass is skinny fat. And I know that for a fact relative to me, because I've already told you my story. I, 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 I was a thin, scrawny, weak kid. I was bullied regularly because I was a, a thin, scrawny, weak kid. And it wasn't like I could start lifting weights at age eight, but why should I have to, mm-hmm. right? According to mainstream science and, and medical doctors, everyone, 100% everyone is born in a body type one. And the only reason that you're not a body type one is because again, you are eating too many calories daily above your BMR. You are sedentary. You have put on excess fat. And as soon as you lose that excess fat weight and get back down within safe BMI, you're a body type one. That's simply not true. We have the the actual evidence and data up on our site. And if you go up on social media, you will see there all that there are are people who have lost the weight. They have the video evidence. And when they get down within their safe BMI weight range, they have skinny fat, loose skin, saggy skin, cellulite, yada, yada. And so, and, and they have no real explanation for it other than that muscle and muscle mass likely was not there to begin with. Unless, again, they starved themselves, which is an unhealthy way of losing weight, and the body had no other choice but to burn muscle and muscle mass. Mm-hmm. So the concept of BMI, where did, that, where did that come from? Where did doctors say, listen, if you're this height, you should be this weight? Do you know where that uh, originated from? So it, it, actually, uh, it actually started in, in, the, in the 1800s, but it didn't officially become the standard until 1985. Uh, and, uh, it's, and as you said, it, it's basically just a standard calculation that's directly relative to a biotype one uh and it's basically height to weight ratio uh and the problem with it is it it doesn't take into account skinny fat neither does the bmr calculation so if you're using a standard mifflin or harris benedict bmr calculation neither of those are taking into account skinny fat so you're likely still eating too many calories daily if you have a bunch of skinny fat on your body uh 
in, so science recognizes that one pound of muscle mass burns six calories daily, mm -hmm. but one pound of skinny fat or fat only burns two to three calories daily. So if you've got skinny fat on your body or fat on your body, so where you have skinny fat on your body, you will have stronger tendencies to put fat on your body. And the, so the, the, the more fat or skinny fat that you have on your body, the less calories that your body burns. And therefore you have a slower metabolism. And then you have these diets where folks are starving themselves. Sorry. Um, they are starving themselves or, uh, even these calorie deficit diets. Um, we used to use that idea because it, that was the old weight loss standard. But what science is showing is if you starve the body, it lowers your metabolic rate. It, it slows your, your metabolism because it's a survival mechanism. The body recognizes it's not getting the calories that it needs. So it slows things down so that it can burn calories more efficiently from, from its point of view. But then it starts hoarding fat and, and it starts hoarding calories and it's harder for you to actually lose weight. So it's why low carb diets, the, and the, the most recent science shows that a low carb diet, 37 grams is the, is the bullseye because it forces the body to start to burn body fat first. 37 grams a day? Right, which is low, which is actually a keto diet, right? But I stay away from the term keto myself because uh, for someone like me, I can't do high fat diets. So I would have to do something like I do. And that is I do high protein diets, which is usually lean meats like chicken or fish or even some red meat. But I do a lot of vegetables and, and fruit. Um, yeah. So anyways. Okay, so your fruit would have, you have your fruit, but you still stay at 37 grams. Are you saying 37 grams or less is like non-fruit specific? You're looking at starch carbohydrates. So that's what's tough is you have to stick with the lower carb fruits. So things like blackberries or strawberries or raspberries. Um, yeah, so you have to be careful about the fruit that 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 you're eating because they definitely have sugar in them. But that being said, it, in all honesty, I personally have never counted calories and I've never counted carbs. Mm -hmm. I've always come from things from a, a point of view of the nutrients, the macro and micronutrients that I'm getting. So protein, high quality, healthy fats, this low fat craze that started in the seventies, thanks to the sugar industry lying about their own product and claiming that, uh, that it was fat that, that was causing the obesity epidemic, yada, yada, when it was actually sugar. Um, these low fat diets are terrible. They harm the, the, the body instead of help it. We should be eating really high quality fats like olive oil, um, flax oil and such. Um, so I stick with high protein and I do really high quality fats, but I don't do a lot of fat because my body, especially my gallbladder will really get angry with me if I do too much fat. Um, but yeah, so. Have you ever tried uh, switching your fats, going away from like seed oils or processed oils and switching it with animal fat, like tallow or, you know, just to fat off animal itself? And see that you know what? I have. I actually tried that with butter and ghee and my body, it, it does fine with either. But okay. the only reason that I, that I have a tendency to stick with olive oil and flax oil is because one, they have the omega-3s and olive oil has been around for uh, thousands of years and the we're big fans of the blue zone mediterranean diet because there's a lot of science that 
that backs that up. And olive oil is a main staple in that diet. But I am I have no issues with things like butter with with high quality butter and ghee mm-hmm. and, and such because it, now it's relative. There are some people my genetics tolerate that better. There are some people who just won't, so they have to be careful. But that's just true in general. It's why we don't really push a specific diet one way or the other. We push high quality food that is whole food, preferably organic if you can afford it. But it's it's about high quality food. So a calorie is most certainly not a calorie. The science is now clear on that. That that old model of uh, of, of weight loss where a, a calorie in is a is a is a, a calorie out. A calorie is a calorie. It's total mm-hmm. nonsense. Please don't follow that. A calorie is not a calorie. A ca- a, a, the quality of your food matters, and so what you're putting into your body matters. And you want to focus on low glycemic index foods so that you aren't spiking your blood sugar. You know, everything you're saying you know, like makes a lot of sense to me as a fitness professional. I'll rewind back when you talked about um, skinny fat to fat and the ratio of how much is it a pound of fat or a pound of muscle burns six calories, a pound of skinny fat burns two calories. I heard two things there. I heard one, if you got a little more muscle mass, you're going to be metabolizing calories at a faster rate, more reason to put on muscle, or you need to have a lot more fat if you want to burn more calories. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> and, and we have actually looked at that. So if that were true, then you would, ha- so you've probably seen the show, the, the 600, my 600 pound life. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and, and you have some of these folks who are reaching 1000 pounds. If that were true, if the fatter that, that, that you got the more calories that your body would burn at some point in time, you would, you would hit a threshold and your body would start burning so many calories that you would start losing weight, but that does not happen. Mm-hmm. So you do hit a threshold, but that threshold is a terminal threshold where once you cross over whatever that threshold is for your body and there's too much fat on it, then it's just a, then you simply stop burning calories or, or the calorie burn, uh, it uh, reduces even more and you're in deep trouble. So that's a very interesting point, but no, that does not happen. I would never do that anyway. And then you talk about, uh, so BMR is going to modify your BMR, your basal metabolic rate is going to change based on the amount of muscle mass you have versus the amount of muscle mass you don't have or skinny fat. For our listeners here who might not be aware of BMR, can you explain a little bit more of what it is? Yeah. So that is the base number of calories daily that your specific body requires to function. Um, it's the basal metabolic rate. Um, and there are two calculations. Um, one is the Mifflin St. Gior and the other is the Harris Benedict, um, activity. Uh, and we use both in our, in our scientific biotype quiz. And we also do an adjusted BMR that takes into account skinny fat for biotype two, three, and four people. Okay. So essentially, how many calories do you need to just stay and be yourself? It's not accumulating activity calories. It's you're based on this, how much muscle mass you have, it's the gender you have, this is what you need to stay at yourself. So obviously, if you go above that, you'll gain weight. If you go below that, you should lose weight. But then you said a calorie is not a calorie. Yeah. So when you're trying to create these numbers for people and you say, okay, your BMR is X, we need to give you about this amount of calories, but a calorie is not a calorie. You're saying if you keep it to as whole food as can be, it's much more of a calorie. Is that what you're saying? It is a, it is a more useful calorie in the body. So if we're talking about high 
glycemic index food. So if you think about going to a, a, a fast food restaurant and you order their, you know, their special meal deal, uh, uh, that's a hamburger and fries and, and a Coke. Let's look at that meal. So that meal is going to be a bun, which is basically carbohydrates, which is basically sugar. And it's going to be white flour more than likely. So it's going to be, you know, refined sugar. Mm-hmm. You're going to have the ketchup and the mustard and uh, which is sugar as well. It, it, um, it, it's got some tomato and mustard in it, but it's got a lot of sugar in it. You've got the fries, which are basically sugar. You've got the soda, which is sugar. So you essentially have this high sugar meal with a little bit of um, protein and a little bit of fiber. And what you're dealing with is when you eat a meal like that, it spikes your, your blood sugar. And so your, your blood sugar immediately goes up then the body has to 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 react with insulin to bring the the blood sugar back into balance there is no real nutrients and there is no real fiber there is no real goodness in that meal so you will feel good in the short term but as soon as all that happens and you and and then you crash in terms of a sugar high and then a crash you're likely going to feel hungry again because your body didn't get the nutrients, the fiber, the protein that, that mm-hmm. it, it actually needs. So you're going to be hungry again very soon and you're going to want to eat again. And you're going to want to eat the same type of meal because these companies have mastered the chemistry of these meals. Mm-hmm. And so they taste great. And, they, and, and you feel great in the short term when you eat it. But again, then you crash and, and then you are hungry again and you have to go and eat more and they've got you. Now you're in this vicious cycle where you have to keep eating those foods and more and more of it because you're not getting the actual nutrients that you need, yada, yada. And it makes you overweight and obese, which leads to diabetes and heart issues and even cancer. So... Mm-hmm. Poor quality foods, fast processed junk foods are the problem with the world right now. It is why we have an obesity epidemic. And I will, I'm not saying that, that there aren't lazy folks out there who, who aren't doing the exercise and aren't eating well, because that is true. But genetics play a huge role. Um, so the obesity epidemic, epidemic is not just about lazy people who are overeating. That is a part of it with the diet that I just talked about, but it's also about genetics. So is, is that making sense? It is. I want to come back to genetics and and hear about what you suggest for nutrition for someone genetics based on your program. But I just want to bring to light, we had an expert on here before and her job is she is a uh, nutritional engineer right? That, that's a simplified version of it. So what do you, what do you mean a nutritional engineer? So well, we create chemicals, you know, that's put in food to change our <laughs> brain, receives them. I said, what do you mean? So she named this one chemical. She goes, this is a chemical here. It had like 27 letters and I thought it was the alphabet. And she said, this chemical here, what it does is it, it, it shortens the release of leptin. Leptin is a hormone that says you're, you're full, you're good. You don't need to eat anymore. This specific chemical is put in she said, if you walk into a grocery store and you go down the aisles, it's in almost everything in the aisles, just about. And it's to make the consumer want to eat more of it. And I'm like, how is that even legal? And she goes, it, 
it is. It's, it's just, you can do that. You can do that. But when you talk about this epidemic and you say obesity is here, it's a vicious circle. If someone's listening to this right now and you're like, you know what? I eat junk food. I feel great in the short term. And then these guys are right. I do feel like crap after, but then I want to eat it again. Yeah. Is, there is some effects going on. They're challenging people mentally. And if you feel like you are addicted to food, there is a good chance. You are. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're saying genetics play a large role in nutrition as well. Can you elaborate a little bit more on what type of food is good for what type of genetics and how could we, how could we tell? Yeah. So again, it really boils down. It's not really that hard. It's just realizing that you're going to have to make a, a, a lifestyle change. So mm-hmm. it is about whole food, whole vegetables, whole fruits, uh, whole lean meats and lean meat is is the key. You don't want high fat meat. Um, but it's, it's one of the reasons why we are big fans of the blue zone Mediterranean diet. So the blue zones are these five zones world worldwide, um, Sardinia, uh, Costa Rica, Okinawa, uh, uh, in California. And I'm going to forget the fifth one, but they are, are, are these yeah, say again, I'm sorry. Caria in Greece? Yes, right. Thank, thank you. Um, so they are these, these, these odd places worldwide where people live into their hundreds and they are healthy. They live normal, healthy lives into their hundreds. They aren't popping a bunch of allopathic pills and just struggling to get to 70 or, or 80 years old with pains and aches, yada, yada. They actually live normal, healthy lives into their hundreds. And the reason that they are living so long so healthy is because they don't eat junk processed and fast foods. They eat whole foods, fruits and, and vegetables. And most of it is vegetarian based. And the, and the meats that they do eat have a tendency to be middle of the chain uh, meat products. So if, it, if it's fish, it's middle of the chain. So they are avoiding things like mercury and such. Um, it's just a very healthy diet that, uh, uh, keep sugar to a bare minimum. So they eat no more than seven tablespoons of, of sugar daily, whereas the average American eats somewhere between 22 and 28 tablespoons of sugar daily. Um, so it, 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 it's basically focusing on whole foods. And most people, uh, I hear all the excuses in the world. I can't afford it. Well, you know what? I went down, I broke my fast food fast of over a, a decade, uh, a few weeks ago, and went down to Wendy's and bought a day a Dave single. It was six dollars and eighteen cents for one burger, mm-hmm. which isn't cheap, right? I can go down to Trader Joe's and buy a pound of organic grass fed red meat for seven dollars and forty nine cents, no tax because there is no food tax here. I can get a full pound of, of meat versus what's probably not even a quarter pound of meat and all the rest of it is just sugar. So this idea that fast food is cheap and it's all that many people can afford, well, it's not really true. It's now not that cheap anymore. It's really more about convenience. Folks don't have time to actually cook their own meals. They don't know where to go and buy healthy meals, yada, yada. So that's what we're trying to to actually do here is we're trying to educate folks that if 
fast food is the only option that you have. If you live in a food desert uh, where there isn't a healthy grocery store to actually buy healthy groceries, if, you know, if, if it's a 7-Eleven is the only option, then it's figuring out what are the, the things in that store that I can buy that are actually relatively healthy. So a jar of salsa, uh, mm-hmm. cheese and milk, um, you know, so it's, it's understanding that it's about whole foods, that it's about vegetables and fruits and such. And it's just a change of, of lifestyle and getting to know those foods and finding a way to prepare them so that you actually enjoy them, yada, yada. And changing your actual mindset and getting away from this idea that fast food is all I can afford. It's all I have time for, yada, yada. Uh, and I really like how it tastes, but it's just not healthy. I think one of the areas that people are missing is looking for food that's satiating. Yeah. It actually makes them feel good long-term. I don't think that's taught enough. I'll give you an example. Um, I, I, I once weighed a little more. I got up to 199.6 pounds. I do a competitive sport where being heavy is good. So I'm like, let's get heavy. So I, I got up to 4,400 calories a day. So I was chasing the calorie numbers. At the end of each day, I was like, I'm short a little bit. Let's get some, some calorie infused food. I got to just shy of 200 pounds. I was strong, but I was, I was fat. wasn't a good wasn't a good strength. Since then, things have changed. So right now, I'm 173 pounds, and a big change in my nutrition in the last two years was I went to a very much animal based diet. So I'll consume two pounds of meat a day. But when you look at the calories of the food that I'm consuming, my caloric intake is significantly less, 1,200 to 1,600, and and I I lift. I lift six days a week. The major difference is the food is so satiating. It's so say I can't eat. I'm good. Like I'm good to go. I can't consume more food. Like I'm fine. I'm not starving, but yet my body composition has changed dramatically. My health has increased dramatically. And it's because the foods that I, I sought out for were the most satiating foods. And I can even go two meals a day when before I was doing five and I'm just as good and content because the foods I'm eating are so satiating. And that's it. And it sounds like you're eating plenty of really good protein. And that's really where it's at is if you want to maintain what muscle and muscle mass that, that you have, especially if you're someone like me, who's, who, who is over 40, you've got to be eating high quality protein and plenty of it. And it will definitely keep you satiated. And, and you know what, like with, with, with gas prices and things getting jacked up, my family, we get, we get a whole cow, um, grass fed, grass finished. Um, it lasts us about nine months, sometimes eight, sometimes 10. Um, but when you buy it at the time, it's a big upfront cost. But when you look at the price of meat is today for non grass fed, it, it's cheaper. It's cheaper than going to the grocery store today and is buying meat. So I would always suggest, you know, we invest in healthcare, we invest in dental care, we invest in our eyes, we invest in our education. I think there's some utility in investing in your nutrition. And if that is saving up to spend money for a full year on a high source amount of, of quality food, I think it's a good idea for people and families. I'm certain it's a good idea. It, 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 uh, the, uh, our health is the only thing that we really have. And it's right now it's suffering worldwide. And for, for all the reasons that we just spoke about, please invest in your health. I couldn't uh, agree with you more. I agree. So you got multiple websites, you got multiple social medias out there. So the type of people you work with, what's the first step they take? They come in and they take the, uh, the body type quiz. They do. So we uh, have our website up at fellow one.com. Um, and let me, uh, let me share with your 
listeners, uh, the three mainstream science and medical doctors by type standards so that they can understand that. So when they go in and see their doctor, this is what you're being judged by. We've already talked about the by type one. Uh, we've already talked about the BMI. And we've already talked about the BMR. But those are the three standards. And the reason that those standards are not accurate is because it is a scientific fact that any part of the human body can be underdeveloped to whatever degree. It's also a scientific fact that skinny fat is a real thing and it is not taken into account in terms of the BMI nor the BMR. Uh, and then the third thing in terms of the BMI and why it's not accurate is, as we talked about, there are people like Dwayne Johnson, who that dude's all muscle. There's no way that he is overweight or obese, yet if you were to run his BMI calculation, he would come back as being overweight or obese. So those are the three standards and some of the reasons why they are are not accurate. We look at that and we look at all the other body types out there, the endomorph, ectomorph, mesomorph, which are 100% completely unscientific. They were debunked long ago. They are based on no science. They're arbitrary subjective shapes that in no way help you understand why your body is the shape that it is. Mm -hmm. Same with the kibbe body types or the hormone body types. The hormone body types are the ones that, that that we get uh, a lot of pushback on too, because folks are like, well, no, I'm certain that I'm a this hormone or that hormone. The problem with the hormone biotypes is for, for someone like me, I've never ever been diagnosed with any hormone imbalance in my entire life. Mm. We have plenty of scientific biotype quizzes up on our site because it, it's one of the specific questions that, that, that we ask biotype two, biotype three, and biotype four people who have never been diagnosed with any hormone issue whatsoever, yet they are not a, a biotype one. For a body type to be a standard, it has to apply to everyone across the board. So the hormone biotypes do not apply to everyone across the board because all that there are are people out there who have never been diagnosed by their medical doctor their licensed medical doctor. They have never been diagnosed with any hormone imbalance whatsoever, yet they are not a biotype one. So for the hormone biotypes to be a true biotype standard, they would have to apply to everyone equally and they do not. Mm -hmm. So we, we look at all these different biotypes, the kibbe, the triangle, the tin, the hormone, the endomorph, ectomorph, yada, yada. None of them were based on any science whatsoever. So as I was when I was in college, I was hanging out with a group of guys who were all body type ones. And I was determined to figure out how they got so much muscle and how when they go to the gym, they get more and more ripped and jacked. And when I go, I don't. So I followed their lifestyle and their routine and their meals and their supplements and everything that they were doing. And I went from having a sparrow's chest to having a raven's chest just a larger bird chest, but mm -hmm. I could not get anywhere near the, <laughs> yeah. I could not get anywhere near what they had achieved in terms of their muscle and muscle mass. When I left college, I took a job at CU Boulder as a scientific researcher. And I learned real quick, I didn't want to work for anyone else. So I ended up opening fellow one research and we began the biotype science, but with all that I just said, what we came to is there has to be a logical reason why, there are different body types, why bodies are, are different shapes. And so we looked at it in, in terms of the structure of the human body. And we know that that boils down to the bones and the spine and the vertebrae, yada, yada. And when we look at the actual vertebrae, 
we know that there are seven cervical, 12 thoracic, five lumbar, one sacrum, and one coccyx. So we logically broke that down and said, okay, if we know that a body type one has all vertebrae and muscle and muscle mass fully de de developed, then what would a body type two be? Body type two is one to eight that are underdeveloped with a lack of muscle and muscle mass. A body type three is nine to 17. A body type four is 18 through 26. And that's how we broke down the body types. Um, and we get a lot of pushback from folks who say, well, all that you're doing is allowing folks to uh, find a way to categorize and judge other people. And it's like, well, that's all that science does. That's the point of science is to define things, to categorize things so that we can better understand it. So we're not pushing these body types so that you can say, I'm body type one, I'm better than you, or yada, yada. We're trying to do the complete opposite, in fact. We're trying to help you understand what your actual body type is, what your ge genetics are so that you have that specific body type, and then figuring out what is the best diet, exercise, and, and lifestyle relative to my specific body type so that you can accept your body for what it is instead of all this nonsense up on social media where you've got this photoshopping and filtering and just all this nonsense and everyone's trying to hold themselves to these standards that their body and body type will never allow because ge ge genetically they just don't have that body there's no way that many of these people will ever be a body type one and these starvation diets and all this nonsense is only harming the health of their body so would you say you'd recommend different exercise prescription and or different nutrition prescription based on body type? So I wouldn't say in terms of nutrition, um, you would really need to know your, your real ge genetic breakdown for, for that. So, you know, there are some really good tests out there in terms of uh, learning what your ge genetics are and you know, am I, do I, do I do well with milk, et cetera, but you probably don't even need to take that test. What it really boils down to is doing the work and figuring out what foods work best for you and your body. And it's, and it's work. So you eat this food and then you monitor yourself and you see how did I feel after I ate that food and you pay attention to what your body is doing. Did you break out and, in terms of your face, how are your bowel movements? How, how is your actual urination? Yada, yada. If all that seemed normal, then that food is likely good for you. And if you, you know, feel satiated by it, it's even better for you. But it's a process. It's a learning process of figuring out what is best for my specific body. There is no magic pill. And, and honestly, we have every diet up on our site. We, from the uh, vegetarian uh, omnivore you know, to Atkins, all of it. We have everyone that is broken down because we're not necessarily pushing a specific diet. If you want to lose weight, we do highly recommend the low carb diet, keeping it around 37 grams until you've lost the actual weight. But it's really about finding the diet that works best for your body, which is work. And most people in my experience don't want to put in the work to figure that out. They want someone to tell them, this is the best diet for you. Here's a pill, you know, here, whatever. They don't want to actually put in the work. And that's just not how it works. I'm sorry. Um, in terms of exercise, yeah. If you have skinny fat on your body, then find someone like you who is a pro trainer who can help you understand, uh, one, that getting rid of skinny fat is not possible at this time. 
It's not possible to get rid of cellulite or any of the other forms of skinny fat. All that you can do is reduce them. Now, that being said, we are working on proprietary experimental exercises where we would actually claim, uh, again, they are in the experimental stage. So take this with a grain of salt, but that we can get rid of skinny fat if you do them right. Um, so we are working on that. But for the time being, the only real option, the only real safe option is to find someone like you, a pro, and say, hey, look, I deal with skinny fat on my buttocks and my lower back and my thighs. What are the best exercises that can help me build muscle and muscle mass and reduce that skinny fat as much as possible? So in terms of exercises, it is most certainly possible to find a regimen of different exercises relative to your skinny fat and fat on your body, uh, which is why we built the scientific biotype quiz. You can go and take that quiz and you can, and we will break it all down for you. We will give you your diet, exercise, and lifestyle scores. We'll give you your metabolism scores. We'll give you your skinny fat versus fat and where you have a tendency to put all that on. It's all broken down nice and neat. You can then have that on your phone and go down and see your fitness trainer and say, here's my quiz. I'd like to build muscle relative to these vertebrae and, get, and you know, reduce my skinny fat as much as possible, what do you recommend? You can do the same thing really with your dietitian, but again, food is really about learning what works best for your body. I love that. I've been a big uh, proponent of preaching biofeedback, same concept, eat this, get the feedback. It goes on the list of to eat, goes on the list of do not eat. And then eventually you can curate your best nutrition plan for your body type without going through the type. It sounds like you and I could actually accelerate people's work together. Uh, yeah. that's um, Mark Nelson, thank you so much for coming on the Project Fitness Podcast. All the information that, that you laid out here, I'm going to add in the show notes. So for all the listeners here, you can go to the show notes and you can see the website, go take the quiz, see where you fall or where you rank in here. And then just be aware that you know, just because your doctor says your BMI is in the healthy category doesn't always mean things are things are best, and doesn't always mean you're obese either. If you're a little heavier too, right? And the only uh, the other final thing that I'll say here is we do have our scientific weight loss program, um, and it's not in competition with my Calorie King or Fitness or or my Fitness Pal or the Apple app or anything like that. The idea of the weight loss program is so that you can track all of your scientific data uh, and hold yourself. Accountable. So up on the side, you can invite your your friends and family for free, uh, and they can join the conversation and support your journey. All that is up on our website at fellowone.com. Fantastic stuff, Market. Thank you so much for coming on and Project Fitness. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Have a good one. You too. Never stop learning because life never stops teaching. If you've learned at least one thing from this podcast and your mission is to help other people, please share this podcast with them. And a reminder, we will be releasing one episode every Monday for the entire year. So make sure to hit subscribe so you get the updated information as soon as possible. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And thank you so much for allowing me to be part of it.